Big Fins Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Here's what's coming up on today's show. I think I think people overlook the fishing opportunities uh, that you have in the metro area there. Um, we just don't want to be talked down to. And it sometimes women can mansplain a lot too. It's the Plus One movement. It's been really exciting. We've had like 14, I think we have 14,000 mentors and mentees that have joined the Plus One movement. Broadcasting from the Taz and Lake Lodge studios, this is the Finding Fins Fishing Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Hay Bale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Taz and Lake Lodge in Northwest Saskatchewan. For trophy Lake Trout Northern Pike, go to tazandlake.com. By Ottertail County. Find your inner honor at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. The smell of an opening day duck slew. It may be a stomach-churning fragrance for some, but it's a, it's a welcome shot to the nostrils for guys like me. The sights and the sounds, and yes, the smells... Uh, remind me that the most wonderful time of the year is here once again. We have a couple of weeks before the regular duck season starts, but we'll be back in the wheat fields for the early Canada goose season here in Minnesota this weekend. And of course, the dove season to open up on September 1st. Now, for most hunters, the fall season doesn't mean whacking and stacking as some would think. It involves immersion in nature, good times with friends and family, and taking part in in traditions that have been passed down. It also means lots of vacuum-sealed protein going into the freezer. Now, headlines for years now have been filled with stories of decreasing hunters on the landscape. What's really happening out there? What can we do to reverse that trend? Uh, And what does a lack of hunters and anglers mean for conservation? Well, today we're going to discuss that topic with some friends who live and breathe in the recruitment world and see firsthand what is happening out there. Uh, With us today is Ray Ruiz, uh, who we recently filmed an episode of Prairie Sportsman with. Uh, Ray works to introduce fishing to Spanish-speaking communities and really anyone else who wants to learn how to fish in the Twin Cities. Ray, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, Brett. Thank you. Also, Hannah Stonehouse Hudson, uh, communicator, photographer, and someone who has introduced a lot of women to the outdoors, either by design or maybe by offering examples of the lifestyle through uh, her social media channels. Hannah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. And also Justin Morrissey, who is the social media manager for the National Shooting Sports Foundation, uh, who is constantly working to introduce more people to the world of shooting and hunting and started the, the Plus One movement a few years ago. Justin, thanks for being here today. Great to be here. Uh, I hope that you and all your friends and your family are, uh, are all safe and healthy right now. And I want to discuss what curveballs that COVID has thrown uh, your way this year. But let's just pretend COVID didn't happen for a second. Is that is that cool? Can we just pretend it didn't happen yeah. for a minute? I like I like thinking that way as much as much <laughs> as possible. Um, but I want to talk about if we can the world before COVID and what things were like. Ray, let's start with you. We had a pretty good time uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, on a lake in the heart of the metro, uh, Bade Makaska. And, and granted, I don't live in the Twin Cities, but I don't. I think I think people overlook the fishing opportunities. Uh, that you have in the metro area there. And that's that's pretty much where you spend most of your time, isn't it? That's correct. I do. Um, we had a phenomenal time out there, and the conditions were, were great. Uh, we had that front. We had two fronts come in, one the day before, one while we were there. And we were still catching quality fish. I mean, we were catching northern pike as thick as footballs. 
Uh, we caught some nice bass, and the metro area just has a tremendous fishery all around. I mean, there's just in the metro area of Minneapolis, 13 lakes in Minneapolis, 11 in St. Paul, 356 in the entire metro area. That includes all the surrounding suburbs. So there's plenty of opportunity for people within the metro area to fish and, and catch quality fish. Well, and maybe we shouldn't be telling people that, you know, giving away some of the secrets. But, Ray, we were talking about the size of of muskies that are in oh, yeah. the lakes there in, in Minneapolis. There's some some pretty sizable fish in there. Yeah, you're right. And to to amplify your point there, when I fish these lakes, you talk to the, to fishermen, local fishermen, and they're fishing with 12-inch sucker minnows, right? And they're like, they are convinced that the next uh, the next state record will come from one of those metro lakes, and I I do believe that as well. So that's insane. It's gonna, yeah, it is. And it's when you, absolutely insane. When you think about, it, I mean, you, you you think about the region we live in, the state that we live in, and you want to talk about trophy muskies. You think about going up north, or even going to Mille Lacs, or 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 you know one of those popular musky lakes. You don't think of you know, <laughs> a lake in the heart of the metro <laughs> yeah. that you're competing with sailboats on. L- listen, listen to how silly this sounds. Hey, Justin, let's go to Uptown and go musky fishing, bro. <laughs> like, uh, who, who says that, right? Hey, Brett, grab your stuff. Let's go musky fishing in, in uh, down, down South Minneapolis and Lake Harriet. Who says that? Nobody but says you, that. Nobody says that. It's it, You're not supposed to say that, but the narrative is changing. And uh, anglers, especially hardcore anglers, know that you can go down minutes within minutes and be on world class we on a world-class fishery be on a 50 plus inch muskie which is awesome you know and i and i think stressing that fact that though you don't have to go far for those fishing opportunities is something that's probably really important in the work that you do with with bass tech tell us what that company is and why did you start it ray so I started Bass Tech about three years ago. We're going on a third year now. And I started Bass Tech because I saw a need in the marketplace, but more importantly, in the community uh, for an ambassador, for someone to come in and educate and build awareness in this community because I saw a tremendous amount of people of color fishing, um, a lot of them Latino, African-American, some Somali, a lot of Hmong or Hmong community. And I saw a need of of education because a lot of a lot of this community were this they had a lot of perpetual stereotypes that were just not good like you can't fish here because um, you're not a certain color or oh you can't go there because it's um, you're um, you don't have you're not a citizen or oh you you can't go up north because that's only for certain people there is not only that but you have to be a citizen to buy a fishing license there was a lot of that going on and i was like well let's let's address this so bass tech was formed and it was a, it's a it's minnesota's first and only platform that was basically formed to educate and build awareness in the latino community so we're still we're still doing that today and we're very proud of the work that we're doing so hannah did you want to become someone who introduces more women to the outdoors or did it just kind of happen organically based on on what your lifestyle involves <laughs> um it basically happened by accident um i 
I grew up canoeing and being outside and we, I worked, my family worked in the radio industry. So we moved constantly. There are two things that had to happen. It had to have a minor league baseball team and it had to have a body of water that my, that we could canoe on, but nobody in my family hunts or fishes. Um, so I discovered it in college. I am the woman that people are looking at to grow the hunting and fishing industry. I taught myself how to fish for muskie. It is my passion. The whole thing about urban fisheries for muskie, Madison, Wisconsin, so much fun. Um, so I, I fell in love with it. And then I fell in love with a guide who I, um, I basically stopped muskie fishing, stopped fly fishing, and I learned all about Lake Superior. And then when he passed away, I inherited the guide service. I decided it was well run by two individuals who have gone off to do incredible things. And I decided I would just ice fish for the rest of my life and introduce people to a thing that is absolutely incredible. It is social. It is, um, you can be, you can meet new people. It's about conservation. It's about being outside. It is, it's all about being together and being outside. And it does not matter what kind of equipment you have, truly to the people who love it, doesn't matter what kind of equipment you have, your your income level, any of that. It's just a community with incredible people. And so I've been trying to get people to see, whether it's through introducing women to ice fishing with women on ice or just my um, view that everybody can access the outdoors and it's not as complicated as people say it is. And there's always going to be somebody to help you. So that's the long answer to your short question. <laughs> <laughs> I get really enthusiastic about it. No, that's great. That's great. That we yeah. need people like that. You know, the more people to, to show what, you know, other people, how much fun it can be, the better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 I'm a Soviet studies major, so it's not like I was in the outdoors. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those two don't go uh, together very well? No, not at all. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Justin, explain what the Plus One movement is. All right, so the Plus One movement is all about just peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. Um, so instead of, uh, like, a lot of companies in the industry, in the firearms industry, um, will go out and they'll host events like retailers, ranges, um, any conservation organization, they can host events uh, that are organized, of course, and people can come in and learn how to target, shoot, and hunt. But the thing is, is like we're all hunters and anglers and, you know, whether we bow hunt or whatever it is, like we can pass down a lot of information just to our friends. And it all it takes is an invite. And so the idea is, is that if one in three hunters, according to NSSF research, would introduce uh, one new person, then we would secure a strong future for hunting and the shooting sports. And so we just do a lot of uh, online education, uh, a lot of uh, encouraging for people to just go out and bring someone new, you know, just teaching them about the fundamentals of firearms, gun safety, uh, just the total basics to get them introduced, um, then they kind of, there are so many ways that people can learn and go their own route, whether they want to get into waterfowl hunting maybe, or deer hunting first, or squirrel hunting, whatever it is, um, or just even go to the range and pull the trigger for the first time if they've been afraid of firearms because of what they see in the media or whatever. So, um, so that's kind of the idea of the plus one movement. 
in a nutshell. I feel like one of the biggest issues uh, in the recruitment world is overcoming boundaries, whether it's uh, economic, geographic, uh, or something as simple as a language barrier. Uh, Ray, how many people have gotten more interested in fishing just because they've had someone who, who speaks the same language as them? Well, to answer your question, that, that's, a, that's a great question. A lot. And we're measuring, we're measuring it by license sales, too. That's what our company kind of does. We measure that. And we, what we've noticed is, to uh, Hannah's point and to Justin's point, you don't need fancy equipment, right, Hannah? Right. And, and Justin, you don't need to talk about, like, really complicated ballistics when it, or re- really technical stuff when it comes to fishing or hunting, Right. It, just keep it simple. Keep it practical. So when you when these communities come in, we our company, Bass Tech, really what we focus on is basics and fundamentals. And because of that, we've been able to really move that needle. And these communities, once the word gets out in certain communities that there's this resource and they speak your language and it's safe for them and their families, they, they're all over it. And one one social media post I had I started with like two families I ended up with like twelve or thirteen families, and I had to I had to turn people down kind of because I'm like I, it's only me, so I had to like reach out to and by the way I'll be reaching out to you guys when I get more families involved because <laughs> the the problem is not, the problem is keeping up with this stuff keeping up with the volume of of families which is beautiful right and. We, we just, we want to encourage people to, we want to keep it simple, make it fun. Keep it simple, keep it practical, and make it fun for these families. And we've seen an, uh, a very significant increase in Latino families coming out fishing because now they see an ambassador, they see someone that looks like them, that speaks like them. They're like, wow. They see, a, a, we, I, part of my staff, there's a lot of women in my staff. There's more women in my staff than there is, there's only one of me. So I like to encourage everyone to participate and everyone everyone's invited so to answer your question we've we have seen a significant amount of growth because we do things we do simple things like just put someone this we speak this uh, the same language you know we make it safe for your family you know ray how did you get introduced to the outdoors my father grew up in uh mexico he grew up in pocitlan jalisco big shout out to pocitlan jalisco i know my cousins and everyone we dude there's so many people out there that we know it's like, Oh man, thanks for the shout out, man. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. So in Spanish, you know, uh, but my dad, he grew up bird hunting. So, you know, uh, we're, I'm, we're going to have the honor to uh, hunt with Brett uh, Thursday. We do some morning dove hunting. So that's going to be pretty awesome. But I got introduced to my father. My father, the first thing I learned how to do was shoot a 410 slingshot, then the 410, then my Zepco 404. <laughs> And growing up in Chicago, let me tell you, there's not a whole lot of places you can go because I grew up around gang-infested neighborhoods. You know, you couldn't go outside. You get shot at. You get beat up by certain gangs. And it was really unsafe. So my father took us out, took the family out of the city. We went to Kankakee uh, River, went to the Fox River, went all over. And I got introduced through my father. Through And it's been awesome, man. I mean, I, I'm still – I'm teaching people what he's taught me. And I think to me that means a lot. You know, it means a, a tremendous deal. When, me, so. when we were filming and we were fishing out there, you were t- kind of talking about it, uh, you know, that your life could have gone in a lot of different directions and that maybe, you know, fishing in the outdoors may, you know, may have saved you in a sense. 
I think you're right. That's a great point. And, and I think it, it in, a, in a way it did because it got me, I think about all those weekends that I was out of the city and not in the city that things happened. I would come back and someone was in jail. Someone got shot. Um, hey, did you hear about this guy overdosed? Or hey, did you hear uh, this? Uh, it just, it was always negative, except for like when I was with my family, all I knew was fishing and hunting and sports, obviously. But fishing and hunting was a big, big part of my life and it still is. But it could have gone the other way if I would have been, if not, if my father wouldn't have introduced me to the outdoors, to fishing and hunting, I think things would have, I had a, would have had a, a different turnout in my life. You know, it may have been a different location, but uh, your introduction sounds, in a sense, sounds so much like all of ours with the slingshot and then the 410, yeah. you know, and the Zebco yeah. and all of yeah. that. Um, uh, you know, when, when you talk about that language barrier, uh, Hannah, do you, I, I've heard something similar about, women that want to get introduced to the outdoors sometimes they were just more comfortable being around uh you know or being uh uh, uh, uh being sometimes. mentored by women sometimes okay sometimes that is not true for all women and sometimes i and i am one of those i don't care uh, what gender it is i think um women just want to be around people who will make them feel comfortable. Sure. And if they start being taught by their spouse, that's when the arguments start. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> if you are a spouse who wants to get your significant other, your daughter, whatever, into it, and you start even feeling a little bit like there's something combative going on, bring someone else in. I cannot tell you, I love ice fishing more than anything. However, sometimes the joy of it was ruined because one of us was catching more fish than the other one. <laughs> and, you know, if you're filming a show and he's supposed to be catching anyway, I don't. <laughs> but if you can, find someone else who, and it can be a guy, a girl, it doesn't matter. In, in my opinion, some women are more comfortable. I happen to have most... Uh, 95% of my friends are guys because I am in this industry. But it, I have talked to other women and we honestly don't care. Um, we just don't wanna be talked down to. And it, sometimes women can mansplain a lot too. So you just, <laughs> it just depends on your attitude of teaching. People come from an attitude of teaching like they really want you to enjoy it or they want you to know how much they know. And the people who come to you and are like, hey, this is so much fun. Yes, we want we want you to have fun. And it doesn't matter if you know how to use the Vexlar or use whatever. We'll teach you how to do it. You're not an idiot. Or the, why, why didn't you see that? You should have seen that. That's an attitude of, I just want to show how much I know. Yeah, and man. that's where you lose people. And so you got to look at the dynamics, too. And Ray, I love your point of, like, the, the carrying on the knowledge my, I have this thing called the life is short movement, and it's this, the knowledge we are given from others is ours to pass on. And I learned about Lake Superior from Jim, and he learned from his grandfather on the reservation, and now is my privilege to pass on that information and that knowledge. Because I might save another little kid, just like you talk about, getting people to stay out of trouble, the love of the outdoors, especially right now, is huge. So I just, I love that. And I need to interview for you for something else. So I'm feeling great. <laughs> that's fine. That's great. As a matter of fact, I, that's I'm all about that for sure. The more right. we can spread the message, uh, right. the better. So, um, Justin, when it comes to that plus one movement, what, 
what's the methodology behind reaching everyone that you can possibly reach with that? Uh, well, I mean, really just kind of speaking on what Hannah and Ray, uh, you know, touch base on with community. I mean, ultimately, the, the mindset is these days that anybody can go on social media and you can change the world. But the reality of it is that the best way you can change the world is by starting your own community. And so the people mm -hmm. you know around you and the closest people to you, you helping them will encourage them to help others. And you being an influence to them will ultimately, like Ray said, like he's had more people reach out to him and that he, he can't even keep up. Well, it's because people in that circle, it starts to grow more and more. And they look at Ray to be the leader in that area, the subject matter expert. When in reality, to introduce somebody to hunting or target shooting or whatever it is, you don't have to be a subject matter expert. You just need to be someone who's willing to go out and have fun with somebody else. And so that's really the key thing. And, and speaking on what Hannah said, too, um, I, I also think it's important to remember as a mentor that you are trying to make the experience fun for your mentee. It's right. not supposed to be always fun for you. Um, anyone who's been a mentor or a good mentor has probably had times where it's been frustrating. Um, but ultimately, you don't go, you don't bring, you probably don't bring someone new to an awesome goose hunt, like an awesome goose field, uh, or I, I'll actually even compare it to you bringing a new dog out to a new goose field and you have geese loaded in, but this dog's running around like crazy. Like you don't, like the success of the hunt isn't what makes, like the success of the harvest, I should say, isn't what determines the success of the hunt. It's you having a good time, keeping the mentee comfortable, and so ultimately, I think it's just that inclusive outlook on everything and just the, the honing in on that community aspect that really drives the Plus One movement forward. It's seeing pictures of other people, like everyday people, like all, all four of us um, out there with someone else that's new, bringing them to the range with a big grin on their face or, you know, uh, my best friend going out for his first time and having a uh, holding up a goose that he that he shot or you know any of those things so um, that's the best way that we can sell target shooting and hunting is by smiles and by people just having a good time you want to tell us about joey absolutely <laughs> um, so i i have been mentoring a boy with down syndrome his name is joey uh since he was 12 he's like he's gonna be 24 this year and for years and years, I just mentored him and I brought him out fishing and he loves fishing. He bought all these uh, shirts with bass on them and stuff. And I can point at uh, taxidermy whenever we go to like a rural restaurant. They have taxidermy on the wall and I'll quiz him on all the fish on the wall and everything. Um, but then this last fall, I brought him out um, deer hunting for the first time. I started with turkey hunting last spring, actually. And we got really close, but we didn't get a get a turkey. He had a lot of fun, though. And then we went out deer hunting, and he ended up shooting a little six-pointer during the Wisconsin gun season. And I got the whole video, uh, the whole hunt on video. And the excitement and transparency from him and his emotions, I mean, it, it, it made the video go viral in this community anyways. And uh, I think it's going to reach a lot more people. And, and it's things like that where anyone in the industry, like all four of us, 
like we can talk about the plus one movement. We can encourage people to go out and bring new people. But ultimately, I believe that if you don't step up and lead by example, practice what you preach, then your words don't mean anything. And so that's ultimately the best way that I can lead and show people how how to be a good leader, a good influence in the plus one movement. Working with the National uh, uh, Shooting Sports Foundation, I'm sure you're you're seeing a lot of numbers and demographics that are out there. What are you seeing as far as increases or decreases in participation among different demos out there? Sure. Um, that's a really good question. So I can tell you right now that uh, with everything politically happening this year, everything uh, with COVID-19, there has been a huge increase in firearm sales. And I think it's like 5 million new gun owners, supposedly. Wow. And I mean, it's it's absolutely insane, that number. But the thing is, is like um, those 5 million new gun owners, you anybody, I like to always say it this way, anybody can wield, uh, hold a sword, but if you don't know how to use it, it's pointless. For sure. And a lot of these people are buying firearms for self-defense. And so now we have this group of people. It's kind of like buying your first fishing pole. You know, you buy it, but you can hold a fishing pole. You can have any piece of equipment, but if you don't know how to use it properly, then it's pointless. And so now is a time where anybody, um, if you're a firearms trainer, if you're just knowledgeable in firearm safety, if you know the four firearm safety rules, I mean, just spread those four firearm safety rules with all these new people, as, as many people as you can, and just make sure that they're, number one, uh, owning responsibly and safely, and then also just using them, whether it's for target shooting, recreational purposes, uh, hunting, or self-defense. Um, so that's kind of like the next step, and we just got to keep these uh, new gun owners engaged as much as possible and not let them kind of just put that gun in the cabinet or wherever mm -hmm. you know and uh and never use it so i bet so that's kind of uh for what i know we have a research guy i i'm not a research guy i'm the i'm the fun guy that goes out <laughs> and likes to encourage people to go on the field sure. but uh yeah <laughs> well i've been a big proponent of people taking hunter certification or, or you know if it's a permit to carry class or whatever whatever gun training courses they can take uh, even just sitting and watching YouTube videos, whatever. But if you can go get get some training from some sort of licensed firearm trainer, uh, I, I've been a big proponent for everybody. If, you know, just so if even if I've had people come up to me and say, why do you, why do you need to own guns? And you know, I've got various reasons. And if they have some hesitations, I always try to ask and find out what they are. And I say, you know what, just go take go take a class once. You know, just go learn about them. You don't have to buy one. You don't have to ever use one. But just go learn about them, and then you can maybe at least be a little bit more comfortable about why there are people like me that like to that like to have them. Um, and you brought up. COVID and what's happening to license sales. We, we saw what happened to fishing license sales this year uh, because of everybody either not being at work or being at home or wanting to do something outdoors because it's uh, just safer outside. What do you guys think? Uh, maybe Justin, we can start with you. What do you guys think about hunting license sales this fall? Well, I think that I, I'm really interested and uh, excited to see how where, what happens this fall. Um, I think that the opportunity at hand right now to introduce more people is that this is probably going to be the best opportunity in you know in my life 
and what what's to come, you know? And so I'm just really excited to see what happens. I think that people will, you know, practice social distancing and step, uh, step outside more. Um, but ultimately it comes to, you know, making sure people are aware of that opportunity. So we need to do that at this time and make sure that people take advantage of the, all of the opportunities that are right outside their door or maybe outside the city if it, if it comes to what Ray was saying about growing up in Chicago. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to stick with you for, with one more question because uh, I want to stay kind of in the shooting sports realm. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it takes a world pandemic to get more partition, participation in the outdoor world, but obviously we've seen that. And everyone has talked about recruitment and what can we do? What, how can we get more kids involved in this or more kids involved in that and whatever? And, and one example I always give is the the youth trap shooting leagues that have been going on in all the high schools. I mean, how big has that been for uh, not just the shooting sport industry, but uh, the outdoor world in general? I mean, all of those kids who get involved, any adult even joining a league, um, it's it's incredibly impactful. I mean, I, I don't really know how to like explain how we can measure that or anything, but I mean, if you think about that community level, like I said, and, and these everyday people um, who get into target shooting and they have friends who are anti-gun or have just maybe aren't uh, educated on, you know, firearms or the opportunities outdoors. I mean, as soon as they are like, they hear that, oh, this, this guy target shoots or this guy owns firearms. Oh, this guy conceals firearm and has it on him all the time. And I didn't even know that. And I've known him for six years. Like, it's like, yeah, you, that's the thing. You just don't know. You can't judge people uh, based on other people's actions, especially criminal actions. So, um, so yeah, I think just the more people that can get involved, the better. And like I said, just focus on that community and don't try to change the world. It, all it takes is one. That's the whole idea of the plus one movement. So, Well, I'll tell you how you can quantify it a little bit. When I heard that uh, participants in the Minnesota Clay High School Clay Target League outnumbered hockey players in the state of hockey, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and not one, not one injury or accident. You know, you talk about kids, yep. guns, and schools, and not to have one one incident and to have that big a participation. Then you'd, you'd have. I went to the 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 state uh, championship in Alexandria a few years ago, and there was like seventh grade girls shooting off against high school seniors. You know, and then there were guys in wheelchairs. So, I mean, it was it was this big, inclusive group of kids all finding uh, a common interest in a sport. And uh, it, it to me, it's just absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, Hannah, did you see more people going fishing this year because of COVID or otherwise? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, or, 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 you know, and then right, what are the odds then, do you think, if you saw new people get into it, do you think they'll, they, they were introduced to something that they found really exciting and will stick with it? Or what experience did you have? Um, especially in the ice fishing, because it started in the, in the March and where I am up in Fargo, there, there's the late ice. I saw lots of people jokingly saying it's the ultimate social distancing. And it really is. I mean, I fish outside. I don't fish in a shack. I think that's for wimps. Just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> colder it is, happier I am. I'm weird. Um, but it really is. It's, it's social distancing. You're outside and you get to talk to people and just enjoy the elements. And if you want to sit inside by yourself, you can. Whatever. 
But I really think people saw it and went, oh, I was just going with a friend because I didn't want to be inside anymore. And actually, this is really fun. This is kind of like a video game if you got any of the electronics, that kind of thing. The other thing I'm I'm seeing in the shoot on the shooting side of this, a bunch of women who have joined these women's groups for fishing. They're also talking about hunting and they're Mm. talking to other women who were afraid of firearms who are seeing, oh, this woman can do this because it's all about rumor. I was terrified of firearms. No, I had, I did not shoot a gun until three years ago. I inherited a bunch of them and was taught by an instructor. And it is the most empowering thing when you know what you're doing and safely. So now you have these fishing groups who are now talking about hunting and firearms because they want to be outside this fall. So it's the same group of people And whether it's younger, like men and women who maybe were in an urban environment and were never um, taught by someone else about being outside, there's people they desperately want to be outside and they come from more of the silent sports area. And they, you know, whether they're interested in food, whether they just thought, oh, this looks great, this looks cool. You know, there's many different ways to go about it. But in the on the women's side, the women's groups, those who got into fishing during the the COVID are now going, oh, there's other women who are talking about hunting, talking about the start of bird season, talking about getting ready for deer stands. And they're not just talking about doing that with their husbands. They're talking about doing that with groups of women and having fun or just groups of friends. So I, I really think, though COVID sucked, that's the technical term. <laughs> I, I think there's some there's some opportunities to say, hey, you know what, COVID eventually will be done, but we are hoping that you will continue to be outside and enjoy the outdoors. Well, the the second part of recruitment is retention. And Ray, after you've introduced somebody to the fishing world, how how well uh, you know how well has your retention rate gone? Uh, you see people continue uh, to stay out there and be interested in, in angling. Yes, uh, and to uh, Justin's point and Hannah's point, what we've been seeing uh, is an increase in fishing. And when you you start you start with a very simple system, showing them how to use a bobber system, you know, bobber, split shot, weight, and a hook. Once people master the basics, the fundamentals, you know, you, you introduce them to, hey, have you ever tried bass fishing? Or have you ever tried crappie fishing? Or have you ever done this? Oh, wow, you can... Wait, there's different species you can target. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, don't introduce them to walleye fishing right away because they'll never <laughs> come back. That's why, I did, that's why I didn't mention it. That's why I didn't mention it right away. Um, so to to Hannah's point and to Justin's point too, what, what we at Bastet, what we try to encourage people is we try to – I've come up with this – I didn't patent it yet. I should, probably should. Uh, portfolio of fun. Wait a minute. What would you call that? Portfolio. <laughs> get, get that down, pan it down. Uh, the portfolio fund. So what we've run into, and it's a good problem. It's not a bad problem. When it run into, they're like at our seminars or our workshops, we, we go over some fishing basics and we go over awareness, regulations and possession limits and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, hey, do you do hunting stuff? Do you do, what about deer stuff, right? And I mean, is that, that happens all the time, right? All the time. Yeah. Justin, awesome. is, has, have you seen like a, a, being able to cross sell that too? Like what, with the efforts that you're doing? I mean, have you seen that as well? Uh, yeah, a little bit, not, not so much just because, okay. uh, usually it's, we're, we're helping mentees connect with mentors. 
Okay, so cool. if they connect with somebody, they might ask them. But I do get some pretty random questions every once sure. in a while that have nothing to do with what yeah, target shooting. What's, what's the weirdest <laughs> question? You got it now, you got to spill the beans. What's yeah. the weirdest question you've been asked out there? Oh, I mean, I mean, just like I get. I get asked questions all the time about uh, specific products or companies that um, we have nothing to do with. And they're like, hey, what's the, you know, can you give me information on this? And I'm like, that's what Google's for. I I didn't give you that information. I help you find mentors and and make this fun. So so there's things like that. And uh, yeah, one one example of... uh, um, that I can kind of tie back into mentorship too is there was a, a gentleman who reached out from Washington and he was looking for a mentor and he was having trouble finding a mentor and and he was like nobody wants to take me on hunting and I and I was like like well you got to just keep asking you know you can't expect somebody to come to you like mentors aren't really on Facebook just seeking mentees and like writing people messages like hey do you want to go hunting all I mean that'd be awesome if we did do that. I encourage that. But unfortunately, like if you are someone who's looking for a mentor, you do need to put in work. And ultimately that is what hunting and fishing is. It's work. Hmm. If we didn't have jobs and we had to hunt and fish to survive, that would be our job, you know? And so it takes work. And so anyone who is looking to get into it, looking for a mentor, just understand that like everybody else will do what they can but you can't go in with an expectation for somebody to just do everything for you. You need to put in a little work too. And that's just the nature of it, you know? So I had to explain it to him and he, he felt uh, like he was asking for too much. And I was like, man, just keep asking away though. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll help you with what I can, but I'm not going to drive to Washington to take you out hunting land <laughs> I don't have any information about. So, <laughs> right. Right. Well, you have to, if you're going to be a mentor, you have to kind of know your, you know, know your area, know your areas of expertise. And Ray, if somebody came up to you and said, well, I, I kind of want to do what you do, or I want to come work at your company. Um, you know, what are, what are some tips, you know, what's some advice you give to somebody that wants to be a mentor? Well, you have to, the first, first and foremost, I think you have to be realistic about what you know and what you don't know. Right. That's one thing. And uh, double down on what you know and what you're good at and what you're passionate about, which is if it's fishing, well, what specific uh, species do you really like? And um, like, for example, for myself, I like anything, but I'm a bass guy. You know, I've always been a bass guy. The first fish I ever caught was a bass, you know. And it, well, I remember catching, you know. So the advice I'd give them is keep it simple, make it safe, and you have to have fun with your with your mentee, you know, you can't, don't, don't be so egocentric or ethnocentric with the way you apply the application of your knowledge. Ask questions like, Hey, what, why do you want to start fishing? Or is there a lake by your house? Uh, what do you want to, what do you want to learn? And, uh, what do you, is there anything that concerns you asking those open end questions, um, will really, really help you identify what that person wants their needs and it's just going to make it fun because they're going to know you care so that's where i would start and justin you made a great point about you know using social media 
uh, is nice, but actually building a community and doing stuff in person is uh, is the best. But that social me- media aspect, uh, Hannah, I want to talk to you about that because social media is kind of kind of the realm you live in quite a bit. There there is there there are some ways that you can uh, reach new people just by sharing some of your experiences on social media, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there are some definite ways you can you can bring people into your community just by being. I don't use the word classy. Don't like make it make it so it's something people want to aspire to. Make it something that people say, "Oh, that looks fun." Don't like whine every day about, "Oh, it was cold." Or like, stop. It's fun. Don't make it about necessarily the technical aspect. If you're appealing to new people, don't make it about the technical aspect necessarily. That's one of the reasons that I don't talk about techniques. I don't talk about other than, you know, cotton kills in the winter. I don't really talk about clothing. It's about the comfort of it. It's about going being okay that you don't know everything. I tell people all the time, if you can afford it, hire a guide. Guides want to teach. They do truly, the good ones want to teach you. You should not be intimidated whether you're a woman, whether you're a guy, it doesn't matter. That's what they're there for. So if you can get people to understand that, that, and I talked about this before, people who want to learn things are intimidated. If you can make it not about you know more than them, you're gonna have more people be like, oh yeah, I wanna try that, that's cool. So just being an example. That is, you know, in any of this. <laughs> and and I, I, uh, I always talk about consistency in social media usage. And, you know, maybe, Justin, you can speak to this, too. But it's funny how sometimes you can, like, I will, uh, I'll spend hours setting up a photo, spend some time editing on it. I'll come up with a clever caption and I'll throw it out there on the, the various platforms and it'll go nowhere. And then I'll take a right. blur, blurry cell phone picture of my dog laying on her back or whatever, and it'll explode. You know, you don't always know what's going to work. And I know, I know Hannah, you've probably talked about this a million times, but I wanted to tell you, you haven't done it on my show yet. So I wanted to ask you about the photograph and you know exactly which one I'm talking about uh, on Lake Mm -hmm. Superior there. Walk us through that picture as it went completely viral around the world. Completely nuts. Um, Yeah. yeah, So in in 2012, I I had jokingly said to my late husband, I want to take photos of dogs for the rest of my life. And he joked and said, (laughs) he laughed and said, we have 380 people in town. That will never happen. We live in Northern Wisconsin. And like three months later, I took a photo of my friend, John and his dog Shep in Lake Superior, him holding it, holding Shep, who was 17 at the time. Um, And it went crazy viral for four months. We like, uh, we were, in, on every continent that had a newspaper. We were on Good Morning America. We were on uh, the Today Show. My voicemail would fill up like four or five times a day. Um, and so John got another year of life with this dog because of all these people raised money. But I also got to learn how it was to go viral. Um, and then, so I took a bunch of notes and it was crazy. And then I went viral again about four months later. This sounds like this really, like, it was crazy. And um, what, unfortunately, that was when my husband passed away. That went viral as well. So I was studying how these things went viral because when you're in shock, you're ten, kind of an objective individual. And I ended up, like, creating this 
crazy business where I help people go through viral events, but I also got to be a dog photographer for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> and hopefully I'll see you in the field this fall because I now live where all my dog photo clients live. <laughs> That's great. And dog pictures have to be better than wedding pictures. You know, let's... Oh. There's not even a <laughs> not even a contest, and it's never the bride. It's always the mother of the bride and dogs. <laughs> and so, uh, my apologies to any mothers of the bride who are watching. You weren't one of them. Um, so, but uh, bird dogs are the best yeah. because they are happy. They I don't want them to sit. I want them to run around and be crazy. So it's perfect. Like I said, it's for my ADD. It works. <laughs> Ray, how, how does social media work in your outreach efforts? You know, do, do a lot of people in your communities, I, I, I'm assuming they're on social media. Do you, did they all on social media or how does it work for you? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a following on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube, on Instagram. And we, when we do post either uh, when we do efficient workshops, obviously because of COVID, those are very, very limited. Uh, but like last year when we were doing these, we would, I would invite, the way I did it just to make sure I can keep up was I would invite two to four families and I say, hey, if you have some, uh, your neighbor's families, please invite them. So it would multiply. And what I've noticed is that worked really well. But when I put on social media, like you, I would just get bombarded. So it's a good and bad thing for me because I, I'm on, it's just me doing this, doing everything. I got some help now, which is great. So it's a, it's a good problem to have, right? We go, go back to the good problems that, that, uh, that we're having here. And we, we've been handling it really well. I wish this COVID thing wasn't around because I, I feel that this would be a perfect opportunity because people want to get outside more. But again, we have to be very careful, very limited in our exposure. But it has it has moved the needle a lot, and we get a lot of emails at Bastic. Hey, what's the best lakes to fish? We get that a lot. That's the number one question. I don't know if you guys get that, but that's what we get. Um, what is this kind of fish? They'll take a picture of it and send it to me. I'm like, oh, that's a bowfin. Oh, is it good to eat? No, you can throw that one back. <laughs> you know, so we we get a lot of that. Is and you get a lot of questions like, hey, is it okay to? Um, it, can we grill here? Or, hey, is it okay to have certain beverages here? And I'm like, well, are you on a state park or are you here? You know, so we're, again, we're constantly building awareness through social media. So that social media platform allows us to educate and build awareness. So it's an extent because people, other people read it too and you, they'll chime in. So that helps. And they, they all work well with Spanish, the Spanish language. Can you yeah, integrate it all pretty yeah. well? Yeah, and, and, you know, I go back and forth, you know, uh, with my Spanish brain, my English brain. I, I jump back and forth. And it's exhausting, man. It's exhausting. Uh, but it, it is a lot of fun, you know, you, you, and you do get uh, English-speaking people. I had this young woman. She's, she's American, a gal born here, and she's like, uh, I think she was raised in, like, I don't know, out in the western suburbs. And she's like, hey, I'm, I speak Spanish, and I want to learn more terms. I want to learn more about... I want to learn more technical things. And I said, sure. I gave her a one-on-one -on -one class on Medicine Lake. And she's like, oh, my God, that's how you say that? And I'm like, yes. I had no idea. I never learned that in Spanish class. And, and, I, and I was explaining to her, not everything, like fishing terms, like the word crank doesn't exist. Hmm. It doesn't exist. So, like, I, I gave her that example, right? So she's like, oh, my God. And 
I kind of I, I felt good doing the classwork, but I also felt like, well, I I think you know, like you're aware of like how much you need to know about this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and we all do. It's it's you're constantly learning, and so yeah, it's it's really really helped the social media. It it this has a tremendous just long really really long reach really long arms and we've impacted a lot of people so when we thread things people just hold on to them they start asking you a question they the question within the question comment within the the comment and it just grows which is good because the community sees that like to justin's point that community starts reading and they're like oh so that's what that is oh i see and that's a good thing that's a really good thing. Justin, as social media manager for NSSF, uh, since obviously not a, a lot of in-person events are happening right now, how much pressure has been put on you <laughs> as far as communicating with people? I mean, how much more emphasis has been put into the digital space since we can't do a lot of in-person stuff? Oh, a, a ton. I mean, they're pretty much... Everything we do, everyone looks at the email marketing side of things and social media. And I mean, that's a good thing, though, about like the plus one movement. When we started that, um, you know, we didn't know COVID was going to happen. And now it's here and it's like, hey, this is perfect. Like we didn't really get affected all that much in terms of what we were trying to do with plus one movement mentorship and encourage the industry to do more of that, too. And it's a good thing that shooting ranges were deemed essential businesses too. Um, and so like those have been continuously running, like ammunition is so scarce. I get comments all the time saying, Hey, August is national shooting sports month and you want us to go out and target shoot. Well, we can't find ammo. (laughs) So like, what, what should we do? And it's like, well, you know, just do what you can. I mean, uh, slingshots, you you know, and here's the thing. People always think like National Shooting Sports Month, like get out and participate. Well, I can tell you, you can participate by going online and learning too. Like you can learn about gun safety and uh, new shooting sports, you know, Rimfire Challenge, USPSA, whatever it is, and uh, get like, there's a lot to know to raise point. You know, like you don't realize when you're an avid hunter, fisherman, target shooter, that like the amount of information that you collect over the years is insane. I mean, that is why outdoors men and women are so passionate about, about the outdoors is because once you start learning about it and you start going down that path, it's, it's like you get so connected to it and you want to utilize all of that information you've collected. Like what was the point of doing it? If you don't actually go out and target shoot or hunt or fish. So but uh, with the Plus One movement, it's been really exciting. We've had like 14, I think we have 14,000 mentors and mentees that have joined the Plus One movement uh, groups on Facebook. Um, you can go there and, and uh, join that. And it's just a community of people who post pictures all the time and very supportive. And then we've had over 100,000 people sign up or, or yeah, take a Plus One pledge and I believe our numbers right now with the uh, like the, the amount of people that they pledged to take out is over a million. Wow. So, so like, and this is, I mean, the second or third year that we've done it, uh, that the Plus One Movement has been going. So that just gives you an idea, though, of, like, like this is something that can really 
really be a big deal on social media and encourage people in communities all over the country, even beyond the United States, really. We get people all the time saying, I wish I was in the United States um, to be involved in this. But is, yeah. it, Do you guys have some uh, information on your website for education uh, where people can go and just learn about, you know, shooting and guns and things like that? Yes. So uh, we have letsgoshooting.org and letsgohunting.org. And those two sites are pretty much the ultimate resources. On Let's Go Shooting, we've got uh, information on the Plus One movement. Uh, you can find retailers and ranges around the country um, by using our Where to Shoot app. Um, you can just type in your location. You see all the local ranges. And then um, we've got all kinds of information on firearm safety and I mean, you name it, there's a lot. And then if you need more information beyond what we offer on those websites, uh, we, have, uh, we have tools that connect you with your state agencies to uh, go buy a hunting license or a fishing license or whatever. Um, and so it's really just a good starting, like first step, you wanna get, you know, have take your first step, let's go hunting or let's go shooting.org are great places to start doing that. And or ask your local rate retailer, range, uh, fishing guide, hunting guide. Like they are there to help you, or they should be there to help you. They want to be your friend. Like they do make money, yeah, but they do want to be your friend too. They're passionate about it, and that's why they're in the business. Most of them, anyways. And uh, anyone can go join that group on Facebook, right? The Plus One Movement Group. Yes. Yep. There's a hunting group and a target shooting group. Yep. Very good. And it's it's full of authentic content that'll just put a smile on your face. So it's very supportive. It's great to great to see. And Hannah, what do you do? You have any events planned? Uh, anything, uh, whether in the digital realm or in person, <laughs> to to bring more uh, people out? Or I'm organizing some ice tripping ice fishing trips myself for this winter. Um, my goal is to get more people out on the ice. I'm gonna partner with some guides. I'm not gonna do any of the teaching or anything. I just wanna make it easy and show people how they can book trips and go out and see some some new things. I get to go musky fishing this fall. Mm. I cannot wait. <laughs> um, and then you know, I moved to Fargo so I could ice fish more. So that's pretty much what I'm gonna do. So lots of people, <laughs> they look at me, they're like, you moved to Fargo to ice fish? I'm like, yeah, it's right in between my two favorite places, northern Minnesota and Devil's Lake, Devil's North Dakota. Lake. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's yeah, not a long drive from Fargo up to Devil's Lake. No. It's not bad yeah. at all. Yeah. Sometimes you got to dodge a snowstorm on the way up there, but. I have the ice fishing GTI, which is the only Volkswagen that ends up out on the lake, but I think I need to get a truck. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, the GTI doesn't do too well in North Dakota. <laughs> well, where can we find uh, you in the in the online world or uh, some of your work? Um, you can go to hshcommunications.com. You can find me all over Facebook. Just search for Hannah Stonehouse Hudson um, uh, or lifeissortmovement.com. Lifeissortmovement.com is my thing that I'm building. Um, I'm really focusing on, uh, but it's going to have lots of stuff about ice fishing. People like Ray who have embraced their knowledge and just telling the stories of people who have found a passion and not haven't necessarily made it into a job, but have felt compelled to make sure that other people know about fascinating and wonderful things that will bring them joy. So that's me. 
And Ray, where do we find your company? We should mention too that in Minnesota here, they have some mentorship programs. If people want to learn how to do some stuff, they can find it on the DNR website too. They can. Yes. Yep. Um, I believe it is under DNR and then you go to volunteer and that'll walk you through the steps. So for as far as we at Bass Tech, we're going to be putting out a lot more digital content uh, for the fall. And we are talking about possibly doing a something with deer. Uh, I was talking to my father about that. I'm going to lean hard on him with that because he's a, you know, he's 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 a really 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 good uh, deer hunter, just a hunter. I shouldn't just say deer hunter, but really good at it. So we're uh, we're looking into different things again, adding to that portfolio of fun, uh, because we've gotten a lot of requests for it. So we're going to be putting a lot a lot more content, and hopefully in 2021 we can go back to doing actual seminars, uh, and actual workshops. Because I'm working with Joe Sporting Goods, which is a local. Uh, fishing and you know um you know where that it is brett yeah st paul uh, yeah st paul st paul so we're working with those guys and they've been very very supportive so as soon as uh, this kind of comes down that's that's uh, our plan so yeah and you, and you can find us probably next question you're gonna ask me yep <laughs> at bass tech mn.com and uh, we're all over facebook as well and spell, instagram spell that for us too it's uh b b b as in boy a is in apple z is in zebra t is in tom e is an elephant c is in charlie mn.com all right so ask aztec but with a b in front of it because for bass <laughs> because it's my favorite fish to catch so. <laughs> <laughs> very good but brett brett's brett, brett's converting me into a walleye guy so he's gonna you take me to the other side. The, the, so. <laughs> the, the good side. Good side. Nothing wrong. The good side, yeah. The good side, That's right. right. The, the, good the side. better tasting side for one thing. That's right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. I got sick of salmon and trout, so I had to go somewhere else. <laughs> How can you get sick of salmon and trout? You take that back. I know. Ow. Well, I'm spoiled, so I know I can go back and do it. <laughs> I am. A, I'm just a trout freak right now. I just that's. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to walleye fish too, and that's what I'll do around here. But if I can go north and try to catch uh, um, lake trout or stream trout too, but lake trout are yeah. just. Once you go to Saskatchewan and you catch one bigger than you are, you there's no going back from and that. I'm five one, so that's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, Ray Ruiz, Hannah Stonehouse Hudson, Justin Morrissey, uh, keep up the good work. Keep introducing people to the outdoors, and thanks for the time here on the show. Thank Thanks, you, Brett. Brett. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the Finding Fins Fishing Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Find us online at findingfins.com. And make sure to check out our sponsors. They're pretty cool. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. As we all navigate through the tough times of 2020, finding new ways to enjoy summer has become a way of life. If you're searching for the perfect getaway this summer, look no further than the walleye capital of the world, Lake of the Woods. Fish the Rainy River, Big Traverse Bay, and don't forget you can still experience the uniqueness of the Northwest Angle. For your best chance to catch big fish, go where the big fish are, Lake of the Woods. Plan your trip at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? 
Yep, and I'm gonna fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. Go to this site right here. If Trophy Lake Trout and Monster Northern Pike are on your list this summer, book a trip to Tazan Lake Lodge in northwestern Saskatchewan. Everything from numbers to big fish. See pictures, videos, and more at TazanLake.com. This is quite the fishery. Our five-star chef will feed you well after a day of chasing giants on Tazan Lake. Dream come true. Get rates, dates, and more of what you can expect. It can be the best fish you've ever had in your life. At TazanLake.com. That's TazanLake.com. Tazan Lake Lodge is a proud partner of Tourism Saskatchewan.